India is the world's largest democracy, and it professes to have freedom of speech. But last week, the Indian government ordered social media companies to remove dozens of posts. These posts criticize the Indian government's response to the recent coronavirus outbreak, which has devastated the country in the past couple of weeks. And the Indian government's social media crackdown is actually just the latest in a series of heightening tensions with major tech companies. That was a very drastic move that I think opened a lot of people's eyes to this idea that, you know, India is not going to be just an open market, no matter what, for all these companies, that they were not afraid to take bold action. Welcome to The Journal, our show about money, business, and power. I'm Kate Leinbaugh. It's Tuesday, May 4th. Coming up on the show, how India's COVID surge is fueling tensions between the Indian government and global tech giants. This episode is brought to you by Workday. Get the whole band together with Workday and pair finance and HR on one platform for an epic performance. With Workday AI at the core, you'll make confident decisions faster than ever. And you'll drive flawless business and finance operations with an agile platform that constantly evolves to future-proof your organization. Be a finance and HR rock star with Workday. Visit Workday.com to learn more. Our colleague Nuli Purnell covers technology. And he says social media is a huge part of life in India. Facebook especially is used by many, many millions of people in the Indian middle class. And then WhatsApp is sort of a virtual town square for people. It's where you communicate with your friends, your family members, the shop owner down the street, the guy who's delivering something to you. It's, it's used by virtually everyone who has a smartphone. And one of the most popular users on the platform is the prime minister, Narendra Modi. Narendra Modi is massive on social media. He has an enormous Facebook presence. He's one of the most followed political figures in the world. His party, the BJP, has been enormously successful at leveraging the power of social media, not just Facebook, but his party has also been very adept at using WhatsApp, the messaging service which is owned by Facebook. They have many, many, many different groups and use it as a way to organize, to disseminate political messages. He's huge on Twitter. He is, in many ways, very much a national leader of the social media age. He's been very savvy at using these platforms to connect with people in India and also the very large Indian diaspora outside of the country. Even though Modi uses social media to his own benefit, his government has started to see some posts as possible threats. Over the last year, the government has become more assertive over tech companies operating in the country. It started with TikTok. I think one big turning point came last year when India banned TikTok, which of course is the Chinese app owned by ByteDance. Last summer, after there was a border clash between India and China that turned deadly, India banned TikTok and several other Chinese apps. And the government said it was taking this action on cybersecurity concerns. 
The government said it had received complaints about data security and that data from Indian users could be leaving the country, which threatened the, quote, sovereignty and integrity of India. ByteDance, which owns TikTok, said it was committed to working with India to show it would protect users. The government's ban on TikTok was in response to a threat from China. But months later, the government took action against a threat it saw from social media within the country. Last November, Indian farmers marched to the capital city of New Delhi to protest against new regulations around farming. So there were sustained protests in Delhi, blocking of roads went on for weeks. And during that time, there was a hashtag, uh, an inflammatory hashtag about Modi that the government had problems with. Content with the hashtag Modi planning farmer genocide was posted on Twitter, which was designed to inflame passions, hatred, and was factually incorrect is what the government has said. This is a more- the government said the accounts tweeting the hashtag could incite violence and asked Twitter to take them down. And so Twitter agreed to block some of these individual users and even some media outlets, some local Indian media outlets, because of some of this content. And that sort of felt like the beginning of this new world we're in, in which New Delhi is going to be taking targeted action against specific pieces of content it doesn't like on some of these platforms. Twitter initially removed the accounts. But 12 hours later, it reversed its decision and put the accounts back up. It said protecting public conversation and transparency was fundamental to its work. But then the Indian government raised the stakes, threatening the company with hefty fines or even worse. My colleague Jeff Horwitz in San Francisco and I reported that the government had threatened Twitter, some of their staff with jail related to takedown requests. The government did not comment for our story. After those threats, Twitter went back on its decision again and re-banned most of the accounts. But it said it would, quote, continue to advocate for the fundamental principles of the open Internet. Companies like Twitter and Facebook have to tread carefully in these conflicts with the Indian government because there's a lot at stake. At stake for Facebook is their position in their biggest growth market in the world. They need India more for future growth than any other country. India is Facebook's largest market. They have hundreds of millions of users, more than in America. And Facebook last year said it was spending $5.7 billion to expand its operations there. WhatsApp owned by Facebook has more than 400 million users. I mean, that's more people than in all of America. And so these services have enormous amounts of users and the platforms themselves are really bullish on future growth because India has 1.4 billion people and probably about 500 million of those are not even yet online. So there's a massive population that's yet to get online and start engaging with these services. Because of the business potential in India, in some ways, the government has the upper hand. And a few weeks after they demanded Twitter remove posts, the government created a whole new set of guidelines for tech companies. The IT minister said at a press conference, basically, social media is huge, it has benefits, but we know that there are problems with some of this content, and we are going to take these companies to task and make them be more accountable to the citizens of India, is the way he put it. So tell us about the government's new rules. 
for the first time, the government said, we want specific things from some of these companies, like you have to have a grievance officer, um, somebody who we can hold, you know, physically responsible, personally responsible resident in India. So some of these companies, even though they have enormous pools of users there, they might not have but a few staff, if any, in the country. And so that was one of the provisions. And what else was there? We are going to ask these internet companies to be more responsive to our demands. So if we ask you to take down some problematic content, and they've talked about things like violence or exploitation of women, you have to take it down in 24 hours. You have to essentially be more responsible. One phrase they use a lot is data sovereignty. And what they mean by that is, well, that's great, Facebook. We know you're a San Francisco company but you have hundreds of millions of users here and you're collecting and making money on data from our users and we should own that data. We should have access to it. You should perhaps have to keep that data in India or you should give us access to it. And they talk about holding these social media companies to account and saying, if you want to do business here, you have to follow our rules. If you want to be able to make money from our consumers, you have to be responsive to us as a government. And how have the social media companies responded to these guidelines and other efforts to clamp down on social media posts generally? They've, by and large, said, we want to follow the rules, we are dedicated to India, and that, you know, we want to work with the government. And we understand from some of our reporting in the past that they will argue against some of these things through industry groups or in individual meetings. But my sense is that they will do what it takes to continue to have access to the market because it's so important. And of course, they see, they believe that their platforms, their services are good for consumers and they want to be able to continue to offer them. And that, you know, in times of crisis, these platforms do provide a way for individuals to have a voice. A time of crisis is hitting India now. And that's creating new challenges for the government and the tech companies. That's after the break. This episode is brought to you by C3 AI. C3 Generative AI enables rapid access to secure, traceable, hallucination-free insights from enterprise systems, all while using any LLM, helping enterprises turn the invisible into the obvious. Learn more at c3.ai. There's been a huge spike in COVID cases and deaths in India over the past few weeks. And many Indians have turned to social media to talk about what's going on in the country. Namaskar, Mr. Prime Minister. Are you happy now? Are you satisfied? Because of you and your negligence, today the total India is burning at burial grounds. Don't know what government is doing. People are dying on, on seats. Please help me, please. My father is dying. I can't afford another loss. I, yesterday I lost my younger brother. We have young patients who will die in a matter of two hours. I request you, please send oxygen to us. We need oxygen for our patients. Please send oxygen to us. 
It's been an absolute just cavalcade of really graphic, troubling, sad posts that you see. Everything from photos of uh, and video of people suffering from the coronavirus and not getting treatment um, to just individual pleas from everyday people all the way up to senior politicians or people in, in business and industry who are just saying, could anyone help me? Just these really personal pleas. And then just anger, anger in a lot of quarters from people who feel that the, the government hasn't given its people the right guidance and that it has allowed it to get out of control and that it just seems to not be getting any better. Last week, some people noticed their posts had been taken down. And the government, once media started asking, these people say that their tweets are getting taken down. They said, we have removed about 100 social media posts from Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. The government said it had removed these 100 posts because they were aimed at creating panic and spreading false information. But when Newly started reviewing some of the posts... It was simply straightforward criticism of the government. What are some examples? It's run the gamut from a post showing Prime Minister Modi and cremations occurring in the background, a sort of photo composite and comparing him to Nero fiddling as Rome burned, to, for example, the spokesman for the main opposition party in India posted a tweet in which he questioned the Indian government's wisdom in allowing a massive um, religious festival to go ahead. That was simply, you know, criticism of the government's decision. But I haven't seen a tremendous amount of material that is outright lies. Most of the material I've seen that has been removed is just criticism of the government. Also in this case, the government didn't publicly list all the posts that were being taken down, which troubled free speech advocates. You know, one of the main complaints about how they've handled it is that they have gone not in a public way to these companies and asked them to remove this content. And so it's come out not because the government is saying, here are 100 pieces of content that are wrong and that we want people to disregard or these companies to take down. They've gone to the companies and told them to remove it. And in some cases, it's only come out because users have noticed my tweet got removed, or I got an email from Twitter saying, we're taking this down. One lawyer and internet freedom advocate I talked to said that the most troubling element in all this is that it seems to be secret censorship, that the government is not being public about what it's asking the platforms to take down, and it's not doing so in a transparent way, or even talking about the laws it's using to remove some of this material. This situation, where India is asking tech companies to take down basic criticisms of the government, leaves tech companies in a tricky spot. It's a momentous and very difficult time for these platforms, I think, because they have to abide by the law to operate there, just like they do in any other country. And at the same time, Facebook and Twitter, they know that the world is watching them, and so they know that whatever actions the government asks them to take most will eventually come to light. And so I think that they're keenly aware that they have these massive audiences in India, but also that their operations there are being watched closely by people all over the world. As the tech companies figure out how to comply with India's new rules, Newly says the Indian government is only getting stricter. 
My sense is that we're in a new world where the government is emboldened and feels that they're in alignment with global forces to ask these companies to do more, to be more responsive. They see other countries doing it. And that there has been this creep of asking for more and more. Australia was in a standoff with um, Google and Facebook over news. There's the EU. They look around and see that these governments around the world are trying to make these these platforms more responsive and trying to win concessions from them. And they say, you know, you just have to do it if you want to be in India. Critics say they're protecting their own hides and that they're being too prickly when it comes to criticism that should normally be allowed, but certainly feels like something has shifted in India. That's all for today, Tuesday, May 4th. The Journal is a co-production of Gimlet and The Wall Street Journal. Additional reporting in this episode by Jeff Horowitz. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow.